Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Lindsay Robinson is a certified clinical hypnotherapist and success mindset coach. Her passion and purpose is helping women all over the world align their minds for success, own their inner light, and step into their best selves by helping them clear subconscious fear stories holding them back from achieving their ultimate vision in personal and professional success. She teaches people how to release self-doubt and infinitely become more confident in believing in yourself, value your unique abilities, and get out of your comfort zone so you succeed at a much bigger level than you ever have before. And for the past 10 years, her greatest passion has been helping these women release the outdated limiting beliefs and align their minds for their biggest desires. She's also a co-host to the High Vibinate podcast, which is a fun new take on self-empowerment and lifestyle design, teaching people how to live more aligned, inspired lives while manifesting their inner desires. And the show covers topics like law of attraction, releasing beliefs, hypnosis, manifesting methods, spirituality, self-mastery, personal growth, self-love, relationships, crystals, feng shui, and so much more. She's been interviewed on numerous events, radio and talk shows, and has been featured in Cosmopolitan Magazine, Huffington Post, and now Spiritual Shit. Please welcome Lindsay to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely, and today we are talking to Lindsay Robinson, who is a certified hypnotherapist. Say hey, girl. Hey, I'm so happy to be here with you. So excited to be here with you too. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was on your show, High Vibe In It Podcast, and we got an opportunity to talk deep about some weird spiritual shit. But today, I'm excited that we're going to be talking about something that is can be seen as woo-woo and or um, you know, on the fringe, but has definitely become more mainstream as a form of healing for people to be able to get past trauma, stop smoking, you know, all kinds of different things. But I know that people have a definite association with what they think hypnosis is versus what it actually is. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But before we do that, um, can you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Give us an introduction of your past and what led you up to this point. Okay. Well, yes, I'm, uh, again, I'm so happy to see your face. You're just like so <laughs> delightful and it's going to be so much fun, but to answer your question. So I got started, I've always been kind of the weird kid. Like I would, <laughs> that's a weird sentence to say, but I, I was always like, you know, I was so into the stuff that most kids were into. Like I had a Ouija board and I would like hang out in graveyards as a kid and like <laughs> to feel into how the people had died you know like that kind of thing i know i know um and my and i, I had a couple saying, friends so right <laughs> i know so i had a couple friends that would do the same thing with me and, and up in a small relatively older town in michigan and they had a really small library where they kept all of the archives of newspapers so i'd like go sit up there for hours and just troll through these old like newspaper ads and like all these little newspaper uh issues and that was my hobby. Like, I just love to do that. And so I've always been like, 
what else is out there? And when I grew up, I grew up uh, Catholic, really kind of until like we would go to church and stuff until I turned 11, moved in with my dad. And he was the complete opposite of Mm -hmm. my mother. So he was like, okay, I'm really sorry to blaspheme, but I'm about to blaspheme. So if anybody's like religious listening to this, I'm so sorry. Not my words, but my dad would be like, yeah, this is my last life. I'm never coming back. Like, this is it. This is the last one I'm doing. And then he'd be like, I was there. I was there when Jesus was crucified. He was an asshole. (laughs) My dad's a kooky guy. Okay. He's very kooky, but he's so like he's so smart I think Mm -hmm. he's one of those crazy geniuses do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) when I say that but he was so the opposite of my mother and so I got a really good like extreme version of both sides yeah and so I grew up like reincarnation oh what is that what is reincarnation more than one life what what is this what's happening and so I would like ingest as much as I could about this and so uh when I was about 19 I believe my sister gave me a book or she told me to go get a book called Journey of Souls. Mm. Have you oh, read this book? I've read book? that book. Yeah. Girl. Actually, that someone <laughs> sent me that book really, really early. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yes. This is when I was still like a Christian. And I was like, this is crazy and stupid and weird. And I was super judgy. And I, o- I only got through like the first few chapters before I quit it. You have got to go back to it. Yeah. It's I'm on my saying, Audible. <laughs> it changed my life. First, well, first of all, it wasn't Journey of Souls. It was Destiny of Souls. And then I went back and read Journey of Souls. But those two books, oh my gosh, like I could reread those and and forget like half the book and reread it and just have the same like transcendental like <laughs> experience yeah. of like, oh my God, we are everything, you know? <laughs> um, but it did. It changed my life. It complete, like when I read that, I know that this is what people must feel like when they have like a huge spiritual experience. I was like, this is the truth. Like I Mm -hmm. felt it in my bones and I was like, oh my God, I love this. He's incidentally a hypnotherapist, long story short, who took people into trance, a deep, deep state of trance and, and asked them questions. Yes or no questions. Where are you? What are you doing? What's happening? And they would just go. Mm -hmm. And he would transcribe these conversations he's had with people that were in, in his sessions. And so I was like, how amazing would it be if I got to do that? And again, I was 19. So that really kind of set the wheels in motion for me to move to California from Michigan by myself at the age of 20, find somebody who studied under Michael Newton, who's the author of those books to do a past life regression. Um, and so I did, I did one of the the coolest experiences of my life was that past life regression. And so, uh, I did that. And then, and then I, I ended up living there for 12 years, found my husband, had my kids moved to Vegas. And then it wasn't until I had my first son in 2012 that I was like, I was working at a GameStop as a manager, which don't get me wrong. I love video games. It's like my jam, but I didn't want to be a retail manager, especially now that I have a child. I was working 50 hour work weeks, having to do like quotas and like answer to people. And ugh. anyway, I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. What could I do? What do I like? How do I make this work? Because the goal was to just, how do I make my own hours without, you know, having to like sell a product? What can I do? What can I learn to, to provide for people? And so I was like, you know, I like hypnotherapy. I like hypnosis. I really want to do past lives. It's like, yeah, but let someone else do that. You got to do the safe thing, right? That voice. Yeah. And I was just like, but why? <laughs> <laughs> for the first time in my life, I was like, but why can't I do that? Why does it have to be someone else? What if I just made a call? What if I just looked into it? And so I made a call and it ended up being right down the street. Excuse me. I have hiccups right down the street from where I 
was working at the time. So I was like, this is just too weird. Mm, And I ended up enrolling like the same the next day because they had an opening for a tour. I went, I checked out the place, the Institute. And I was like, oh, I called my husband. I was like, can I do this? And he goes, yep. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not like asking permission, but just like, is this an irresponsible thing to invest in right now? Like, because we have a new baby. Should I be doing He's like, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. If you feel like it's something you really want to do. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I don't have a reason to not do this. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So how (laughs) long are you doing it now? So I graduated in 2013 and I've been just going ever since. Wow. I just recently transitioned from in-person sessions to online sessions in Mm -hmm. 2017 because I moved, like I said, I moved to Vegas and I just didn't want to rent an office. And as long as people can hear me, like I'm not touching yeah. anyone. It's not massage, you know, yeah. it's not photography where I have to be in person. I yeah. can, if they can hear my voice and get comfortable in a place of their own, like yeah. in their living room or, um, then that's all they need. And so it's been very, very successful and I get to do it every day and it's very nice. I love it. I love it. So for our listeners, um, I mean, I'm sure most people have a cursory understanding of what hypnosis is, but I want the therapist's explanation. <laughs> what Good. is hypnosis? So hypnosis is simply a heightened focused state of mind where you're able to laser focus in on an objective, figure out what in the subconscious isn't congruent with that objective, release it with love and replace it with something that uh, works for you. That's better. So I can explain it in like, I can explain it in, I guess, more scientific terms. If you'd like, um, if you were to imagine your mind is like a circle, right from zero to nine, your mind is completely open. All you're born with is the, you know, what we call the lizard brain, the fight or flight response. And the only fears you have when you're born are the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. You Mm. do that to any kitten or any baby. And that's when they're like, oh, everything Mm. else, they have no idea if it's scary. Those are our instinctual fears. So everything from that point on is a learned behavior. And so it can be unlearned, which is really interesting. But from zero to nine, your mind's completely open. You're accepting everything in as essentially true because you have nothing to compare it to or you don't have that um, distinguishing ability to figure out if it's actually a fact or not. So you're just like, yep, sure, that's true, that's true. Um, and then when you hit about eight or nine, you get what's called a critical mind or the critical filter, which works exactly as it sounds, as a filter for critical thinking. Mm-hmm. So if something comes into your conscious mind and it's also the barrier between the conscious and subconscious, which incidentally, the subconscious is about 90% of your mind. And every time I see a new study, it's up to like 92, 95, 97%. It just keeps Basically getting bigger. Mind. <laughs> yes. And it, it, all of your automatic behaviors live in there. Your, your speech, your handwriting, your breathing, you know, your emotions, everything in there that makes you who you are essentially. Um, and the conscious mind, of course, is your decision making, your logic, your reasoning, your willpower. Um, Does biofeedback rest in the subconscious? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so we, like I said, so we get that critical filter. If something happens at that point, you know, oh, the sky is green. You're going to be like, um, but it's not. It's blue. Mm-hmm. At that point, you have that ability to be like, and I'm not saying seven year olds can't will, will believe that the sky is green, but what I'm saying is a lot of those learned behaviors, a lot of those patterns and thought patterns kind of get in there without very much resistance. Once you have the critical filter, there's a lot of resistance if it doesn't fit. So, Mm -hmm. which is why, you know, as we grow up, if we have an idea like, oh, I really want to start working out, for instance, if it goes against your subconscious programming that you've learned, which is it feels so much better to sit on the couch, you know, I'm just kind of riffing here. It feels so much better to sit on the couch. If you work out, you might get too attractive. You know, people have all kinds of 
ways that they're thinking, which make no sense, mm -hmm. but to the logical mind, to the conscious mind, but in the subconscious, its only job is to keep you alive. Mm -hmm. So what it's learned to keep you alive until today is what it's going to keep doing. So if you want to change it, you have to go to the source. And with hypnosis, what we do is we take that thought or idea and we kind of create a pathway into the subconscious um, by essentially overloading your input units, your message units, and creating this like fight or flight response just for a second so that you kind of, um, I guess it would be flight, drop into hypnosis and just kind of allow. Um, now, that being said, I cannot make you do, say, believe, think, feel anything that goes against who you are as a person. I can't make you go rob a bank. Nobody can do that. Yeah. And no one can hypnotize you unless you choose to be hypnotized. Mm -hmm. um, we, it's, it never happens against your will. That's called brainwashing. And it's a completely different <laughs> process <laughs> that I just do not deal with. So uh, it's, a very, it's very safe. It's very effective. It's very long lasting. And it's something that we all know how to do. You're born with the ability to be hypnotized. You do it every day when you go to sleep, when you wake up, when you get lost in a book or a movie, when you drive home without remembering it, you're, mm -hmm. you're dropping into that automatic behavior, those um, subconscious behaviors. So uh, yeah, does that? Uh, is yeah, that, that answers that completely. Um, I had a, I think that like, I love that you said about the safety and like the choice, um, because I think a lot of people are fearful that if they try, if they go get hypnotized, they're going to be suggested and things that they don't want to do, um, that they're completely under and out of control, that you're going to go make them quack like a duck. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, does happen in stage hypnosis. You know, it, that, that is a legit thing. But the thing is when you're doing stage hypnosis, you're no, I, like if I ever did it, I'm not a stagey person. So I would probably freak out if I was ever in front of that many people. But if I were to, I would know exactly who to pick. Because yeah. I know what to look for and yeah. the hypnotist knows what to look for. So he brings up people that are already into it. You know, their eyes are already kind of glazed over and they're nodding along like super mm -hmm. into the show, bring them up. And then if you're, let's put you in the position of the person on stage, you come up, you're a little nervous. Everybody's looking at you. And the guy says, or the girl says like, when I count from five to zero, you're going to go to sleep or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they do it. What are you going to do? You're just going to look at him. Everyone's looking at you. They expect you to go to sleep. So what are you going to do? <laughs> You're going to be like, okay, better do it. It's automatically triggering that fight or flight. So it's much, I'm not going to say easier to hypnotize somebody on stage, but it's a different, it's a more rapid process than, yeah. than that, than the clinical approach. Um, but yeah, it makes sense. Even when you look at the, watch those shows where someone comes in and everybody else is an actor. And then they, I remember I was watching something where um, everybody stood up every uh, three seconds or, or sat down every three yeah. seconds when they came in and they were like, what the hell is going on? But everybody else was doing it. So via influence only, totally. they started to participate in the behavior that was completely ridiculous. And so, yes. That could so on some level, that. there is an openness and a willingness to be a part of the show. If right. you're going up on stage, you've already agreed to the yes. contract that you're going to, that you're going to participate. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you seen um, Get Out? <laughs> I haven't Did, seen it yet. Okay, me neither. Okay, I was going to ask you because I don't like watching movies that involve hypnosis because I know I'm going to get mad. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know it's going to be inaccurate and it's just going to feed into these like myths about hypnosis. So I haven't seen it, but I really no. want to so that I know what I'm talking about. But I hear that it's um, pretty No, scary. I hear the movie's amazing, but I just haven't watched it yet because unfortunately for me, 
I have more resistance to watch movies that everybody's like this, you have to go see. Right. And I'm like, so I, I wait like a year and a half or two, and then I watch it on my own speed. And I'm like, Oh, that was actually really good. But I don't know why I just have a resistance when people go crazy because when you do go see this movie, you're disappointed, but right. Anyway. Well, that's why. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's why when someone's like, Oh, this is the worst movie ever. It's never that bad. People. Right. Yeah. Unless it's like Sharknado, that's bad. But Sharknado was pretty bad. <laughs> um, so like, so let's talk about, let's get into suggestion because that that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. We're making suggest suggestions into the subconscious mind to help accelerate whatever it is that is in that foundational programming, right? Like, yeah. Um, the subconscious could e- also be equated to the ego. Uh, in a sense of like the way that the ego tries to protect us is a lot of our, right. our automatic behaviors and things that feel resistance towards change and progression. Um, so like, let's, let's talk about, I want to hear your knowledge about the subconscious versus the conscious mind. You already said that the subconscious is about 90 plus percent of our mind versus our conscious mind. Um, how do they work in conjunction and how does suggestion work with that? So first, what I want to mention to everyone is, of course, nobody's mind is the same as anyone else's. So each of us has a different mixture of a generalized category of two different suggestibility types. Of course, there are more. We know that there are more. But generally speaking, there's two basic buckets you're going to fall into. One of them is going to be the literal. The other one's going to be inferential or analytical. So generally speaking, the literal people do not need a lot of details. You tell me what I need to know, and that's it. But when they speak, so it's like input, output. Mm -hmm. Input, don't need a lot of info. When they speak, it's completely opposite. They need to give you every single detail so that you understand completely what they're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Now, and they're also generally the more outgoing. They wear their heart on their sleeve. They're the ones to say, I love you first. They cry at movies, that type of person. Now, the other kind is more reserved. They're more, um, they don't necessarily say a lot, but they need a lot. Mm -hmm. So when you're explaining something, they want to know the deeper meaning and what you really mean by that. Even Mm -hmm. if there's no deeper meaning, they're going to look for it because that's how they're wired. Um, And generally, we learn this kind of suggestibility, uh, again, before the age of nine, it kind of locks in. And it affects how we relate in relationships. It affects how we speak to coworkers. It affects really everything. It's who we are. And, it, and generally speaking, again, it's, it's, it's the opposite input output. So if you're taking in only face value stuff, then you're giving a lot more and vice versa, which is why opposites attract so well, because the person is giving exactly what the other needs. Um, so those two general categories, everyone's a mixture of both. No one's 100% of anything. And so when I'm giving, when I'm doing hypnosis with somebody, I'm, I've already got your suggestibility. There's a questionnaire that I give you that will pinpoint to the exact percentage, how much of each you are so that I know how to speak to you in hypnosis to know mm. that the message that we're giving you or that you're receiving is exactly what you need, what your subconscious needs to hear. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, for instance, you know, with affirmations, it's the same thing. If you were to say, you know, some people do the I am affirmations, which I've never been on board with. They don't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. So I, you know, instead of throwing out affirmations altogether, which is what I would have done had I not known this information, I will now reword it. So if, give me an affirmation, that's an I am statement. I am smart. I am smart. Okay. So, right. (laughs) No, here, let's, let's do something better. I am, uh, let's see. I am capable of earning a million dollars a year. Okay. See, that's more of an inferential one. 
I am earning a million dollars a year is an I am statement. That's one of the uh, ones I'm like, uh-uh. Because here's, here's how to distinguish. If you're saying it and you feel like you're a liar, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to get into your subconscious yeah. no matter how many times you do it. Or maybe like 1%. We don't want 1%. We right. want way more than that. I tell my clients that all the time because I'm like, if you have affirmations that don't resonate with you, and yeah. like you're trying to tell yourself over and over, like, that's actually why I use that one. Cause like the millionaire, yes. be a millionaire. if you got negative $500 in your bank account, that's not going to resonate. And in fact, rehearsing that affirmation will make you feel worse. Right. So instead you could say, oh, what about this? Every day I become closer to a millionaire or mm -hmm. my skills and capabilities are bringing me millions of dollars or whatever, mm -hmm. or I welcome money from expected and unexpected sources. You know, if you want to be a little vague with it. Um, and it also depends on uh, how you choose to manifest. So some people are, are specific. Some people are non-specific. If you want to put a dollar amount on it, for me, that would feel like way too much pressure. Yeah. I would rather just like, Same. I, I welcome all the money coming to me from expected and unexpected sources, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. But there are always ways. So instead of even the simple formula of this, instead of I am, just say I am becoming each and every day I am becoming more blah, whatever yeah. that is, or yeah. I embrace my ability to blah, whatever it is. So there are so many ways to do this absolutely right. And only one way to do it wrong is if it doesn't feel good to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a number one. No, no. Yeah. Um, so so way anyway. to bypass the conscious mind and start, uh, like, is this a form of self hypnosis then? So here's the thing about affirmations, about journaling, mm. about any kind of if you're trying to get it out, journaling is very good. If you're trying to put it in, writing down affirmations is is uh, is a really great way to do that. Um, I'm gonna let me. Okay, there's so many things I want to say about this. <laughs> so handwriting is an idiomotor response, meaning it is an automatic thing. You don't have to think about how to make the letters anymore. We've learned that mm -hmm. already in school, um, and so in that way, it's a direct line to your subconscious. And people that are oh. looking at me, I'm actually drawing a line from the tip of my pen here fake pen, all the way up my arm into the back, like the base of my neck, which mm -hmm. would be where I like to think the subconscious is. I don't really think it's there, but you never know. <laughs> um, so back here, when I point to this part, it's subconscious up here, obviously conscious. So yeah. direct line to the subconscious because you don't have to think about doing it. And because yeah. when you're journaling emotions, right, you're going to have feelings about it, which is also where the subconscious is. So if you're trying to get it out journaling, that's why it's so effective. And if you're trying to put it in, write them down. It's all mm -hmm. about intention, people, and it's going to get in there way quicker. Now, the other part of this, not just writing it down, do it 30 minutes before you go to sleep or 30 minutes within waking up. So you wake up within that 30 minutes of just waking up, write them down because you're, again, sleep is a process of hypnosis. You have to go into that. You have to go down that path in order to make a left at unconscious and a right at subconscious, right? <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so it is the same kind of pathway. So in, so the subconscious is a lot more receptive during those times because it's just coming in that process or just going out of that process. So if you want the maximum, like you want them to grab hold of those affirmations, then you got it. Those are the best time frames to do it. Cool. So as far as suggestion goes with your clients and how you yeah. utilize that, um, kind of like, I mean, if someone's thinking about doing hypnotherapy, um, what are the benefits or advantages versus traditional therapy? Oh my God. You want it quicker? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I, I can, I can tell you what I hear from clients a lot. I've been going to therapy for years. I I've seen some progress, but not enough. I know there's still something blocking me. I can't put my finger on what it is, but I'm freaking over it is basically the consensus of what a lot of people are saying. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, absolutely. The subconscious does all of the benefit of talk therapy. Like I do talk to you. We go through, we, we do perspective shifts. We do, uh, reframing. We do like, you know, my job as a hypnotherapist is to help you see all of your options and help you decide the best way to move forward mm -hmm. while also releasing with love the things that don't work for you. Is this outdated from when I was five? Bye. Thank you. No, no, thank you anymore. Because here's the thing, like, like I said, your subconscious is to keep you alive, not happy, not fulfilled, not successful. That's extra. Yeah. <laughs> It's just to keep you alive. And so those, like I said, those things that don't make sense that are in the subconscious are doing, it's doing its job perfectly. And so you do get to decide what's outdated. Thank yeah. you for serving me when you did. I know there was a benefit to this. I know that it was needed for my survival up to this point. I no longer need it. Mm. Thank you and goodbye. Mm. Um, and then you get to decide a new way of thinking. So um, I don't know what the question was. <laughs> But I hope I answered um, it. Help me, yeah, help me. Like how it how it benefits. You said, do you want it faster? Um, yes, yes. So it does have, and again, I'm not a psychologist, but I do have a lot of clients who are psychologists, and they will they will tell me that um, it 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 works on a level that isn't. Um, I mean, it, here's what I'll say: it works on a level that is. Um, almost like automatic. So, so what we're doing here is we're replacing those default settings that you have at this very moment with default settings that will move you forward while also talking about it, while also working through the emotions, while processing, while integrating and, and um, yeah, and, and, mm -hmm. and being able to, to move past this stuff that you have not been able to move past to this point in mm -hmm. a very nurturing, loving, supportive way. I mean, people will tell me that I should not have brought them out of hypnosis <laughs> just yesterday. I mean, it's pretty common, but even just yesterday, somebody was like, oh, why did you bring me out? <laughs> that was so relaxing. Um, I, I have not found a downside yet. Let me just yeah. put it that way. I love that. Um, what do you think that, um, what are the common myths that you see about hypnotherapy or hypnosis? Common myths. Um, will I get stuck in hypnosis? Is it mind control? Uh, will you will you make me relive past traumatic events? Will I discover some abuse that I've had? Um, stop me if you want to stop me. There's so many. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does it even work? Can everyone be hypnotized? Um, is it paralysis? You know. Yeah. Uh, will you make me do something? You know, things like that. Of course. Is it really sleep? Um, of course, there are fears because we don't know enough about it. I don't care how long you're studying the subconscious, you're never going to know everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I will be the first to admit I'm a student always. I'm a lifelong student. I love to learn more and I will continue to learn more. But with what I know now, um, I can help you. Yeah. And so uh, to answer those, those myths, <laughs> no, it is not any of those things. And no, I will not um, make you relive a past traumatic event. Here's the thing about trauma. Like I will get clients now and then who will say, I don't remember a huge part of my childhood and I would like to. Could I help them? Yes. Will I? Nope. Mm. <laughs> I will not. It is not a, something that I will work with mm -hmm. because I like to think of repression as 
a scab, right? Mm -hmm. It's there for a reason. It's protecting something. And if we rip the scab off, it's not going to heal. It will probably make it worse. It will probably bleed again. There'll be a huge, there's a reason your mama says don't rip off the scab. Okay. That's what repression to me is. That's what I've learned about it. So, so no, I will not. No way. I will not. That's interesting. Cause I haven't heard um, someone say that because when they talk about going into trauma, they're like digging into what's happened to you already. Um, but yeah, like when you think of something that's repressed, repressed yeah. memory, things like that, um, to relive them, you know, like there's some protection there, but I Girl, guess there's a reason our bodies them. were built perfectly to protect us. So if it's there, please honor that that's there. <laughs> so in some ways, like, um, would you say that then repression is, is, is a, its own form of healing? Because we talk deeply about not repressing your emotions and being right. present with your emotions, how you feel that's different, but going yes. back into the old childhood uh, situation where you may have an inkling feeling that like something, my, my uncle might've, you know, whatever, who, yeah. like, who knows. And it's like that you can't remember that it's probably best that you don't. Yeah. So So if there's something that somebody has a feeling might have happened or they know there's trauma, but they don't know what it is, again, never going to make you go through it, never going to figure out what exactly it is. The the fact is, I don't need to take you as that 10-year-old person. I need to take you as you are today Mm. so that you can live your best damn life. So if that means, you know, even in hypnosis, we could say something like letting go of any trauma that is not serving you releasing in your venting dreams, anything that needs to be processed and vented out. Um, dreams, dreams. We got to have an episode about oh, I dreams, got this on girl. my list. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, dream therapy is so, so awesome. I can teach people how to interpret their own dreams and it's very, very fun. But that's, uh, I think I'm going to do an episode on that in my own podcast too. So that'll be really cool. There's so much to learn guys. Um, so, so yes, I call them fishing expeditions. Like if somebody says, I don't know what it is. I want to find out. I'm not going on any fishing expeditions. I'm not going to figure out a way to, to cause you more pain because essentially we're opening a can of worms and it can do way more harm than good. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't, I don't need to, we don't need to go for cause. We just need Mm -hmm. to release what's not working. And we can absolutely do that without making you relive stuff you didn't even know you had. Mm -hmm. And even if it's something you did know you had, um, that's of course different because you're, chances are you're reliving it every day. If you're living with trauma, mm-hmm. you're reliving that every day. And so, yes, in those moments, yes, we can help you release it, but definitely not make you go through it again. Um, there's no, really no point to that, I think. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so can't do that. No trauma, no uh, paralysis, no mind control. In fact, you're actually more in control because you're calling the shots in hypnosis. Yeah. You, you can't know until you know, but you're almost like in the zone. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that feeling of like, I could do anything and this is what I want to do with my energy. And it's just like, you are completely 100% present in the moment. If you've ever gotten like a really good masseuse and like gotten a really good back massage, here's how I like to, um, here's a good metaphor for it. So if you go to like a massage place and you get the, like a shiatsu or whatever, or like a gentle relaxing massage, you know, as you're laying there, you could get up and walk out, yeah. but why would you? Because you know, you know, maybe, you know, you're safe, you know, or even from your partner, you're getting a nice back rub or a foot rub, you know, you could get up and move, but mm-hmm. you almost go into trance a little bit, don't mm-hmm. you? Because you're so relaxed and you're so nurtured and supported in that moment. There's no way you would ever do that. 
And that's exactly how it feels to be in hypnosis with somebody you trust. And, you know, obviously, but, but you are in a position where you know where you are, you know, your name, you're completely able to be responsive. If you need to be, if your house catches on fire, you will bring yourself out and get out of the house. If there's an emergency, you will be able to get out. No one can be stuck in hypnosis. Although incidentally, anxiety is, is sometimes the person is kind of stuck in that fight or flight response, which if hypnosis is very successful at, at helping anxiety, because, um, we kind of, you're already in a state of hypnosis a little bit, and we just take you into a deeper state and then bring you out completely. And it works wonders. So if anybody's suffering from anxiety, think about doing something like that. But, um, of course, chronic anxiety, high anxiety, uh, we're not doctors. So please, (laughs) please see a doctor, but, (laughs) but it has, it has shown to be very successful in certain situations. Um, but yes, if there's an emergency, like you're not helpless, you're completely in control. You're completely present and also not present. It's so right. crazy and weird and it's awesome. It's like a form of meditation. You're getting your brain yes. in that theta state almost like yes, just to, to slow it down and get become completely present. You're not in the past. You're not in the future. You're just there. Totally. Um, which I've done a few hypnosis uh, under um, Travis Carrier who mm. he did an episode early on. We talked about past life regression, which is a wonderful segue. Um, and I, it was the first time I experienced it. And I was like, I didn't feel like I was asleep at all. You know, like at some point there was a, a feeling when we, I got up and I was like, holy shit, that was three hours. Like I, I thought for sure that was only like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Usually, and it, yeah, you'll feel like it's either five minutes or five hours. Like the yeah. time distortion is a really good signifier that you went so- you went somewhere else for sure. Absolutely. And even to the point, like, um, there was a, <laughs> I had to go to the, re- the restroom twice um, <laughs> and it's more anxious pee. Cause it's like, okay, I'm under, hypnosis. Yeah. don't go to the bathroom. And then I'm more conscious of it. But anyway, <laughs> I was able to say in the middle of hypnosis and I was on some other planet and we were doing some regression. Of mm-hmm. I don't know. And I was like, I have to go to the restroom. <laughs> and in fact, I think I said my human body needs to go to the restroom. <laughs> that is amazing. That's that awesome. So weird. Um, so let's talk about that past life regression. Cause you do that work as well. Yes, please. It's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> First, uh, just tell me what's your favorite thing about it. Oh my gosh. I get to go to story time. It's mm-hmm. so fun uh, because here's the thing with, with normally with, with hypnotherapy, I love all of hypnotherapy. I love everything I do and my beautiful clients. And I get to help you learn more about yourself is essentially what I'm doing. Help you discover who you are on a level that you wouldn't necessarily normally do with past life progression. Oh my gosh. We get to talk about who you were. We get to talk about all the crazy things that happened like hundreds of years ago. And I'm not giving you any information. Like that's the thing. Where are you? Look down. What do you, what, what, what do you see when you look down? What's happening around you? And then you just go, you just talk. And I just write like a frantic person because I cannot get enough of it. Um, I can't really, because I think because I love history so much and I love genealogy and I love the spiritual bigness of who we are, that it kind of wraps it all into a nice little role for me. And I get all of it at the yeah. same time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's probably what it is. I've always been a huge fan of like um, history and humanity back in the day and how we survived yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, with that, like you being able to, to, to dig more into that place. Um, my biggest fear when I was going under, um, besides the fact of like, will I actually be asleep or not or whatever? Um, I think I know what you're going to say. Um, is yes. Am, am I making this up? 
Yeah. So going through the process of being like, well, maybe I saw that on a mummy movie or, you know, like whatever. Actually, yeah. let me tell this story because I had a past life regression and um, he did the same thing. Where are you at? What are you wearing? Whatever. And I was like, I was wearing these leather sandals and I had this kind of what looked like a metal bound skirt. Like it had metal on it. There was is this the alien one? No, this is the Egyptian one. Oh shit. So I had this Egyptian skirt. I was wearing kind of a bandeau. My head was shaved. I was wearing a wig. Um, and I was in this, this like, it didn't look huge. I wasn't like in a pyramid or anything like that. It was a house. Um, but like a, you know, Pueblo kind of looking house almost. And we had this courtyard that had this incredibly beautiful, uh, water, like a pool or, or something. Um, and I looked up my, my name was Claire Euphemia and his name, the guy who I was, or my husband, his name was Obed Umdomnia. And he had two other wives, um, but he loved me the most. And, but I, I couldn't bear children. And so he took the other, uh, sorry, one other wife, and she had two children. And so there were three other women in the house and then another boy. And so, um, so he had an heir, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Dude, <laughs> um, I'm obsessed. Keep talking. But I had this giant ring on, this giant Jasper ring. And I'm super into crystals, but at the time I got this regression like any grounding stones or whatever just weren't attractive to me. I'd just gotten into my crystal practice and I was like, Jasper, what is that? Um, anyway, so I was, um, essentially my father sold me at a market. Um, he was highly abusive. I, I did go through like a snap of what he used to do to me, which I won't reply on here. Um, highly triggering. And, and I cried while I was there, but he snapped me right back out of it. It was weird. Like he let me go there. I wanted to go there. And then as soon as it felt like it was becoming overwhelming, he snapped me right back out of it and somehow was able to release that, whatever that was. So that for me, as just a critical thinker, I was like, whoa, that was yep, hypnosis shit, you know? Um, So get got me out of that state. But anyway, so I met uh, Obed was, he came off his horse. He came, you know, like, I'm going to come get this girl. Essentially what I was supposed to be like a helpmate or something like that. Um, but fell in love with me. I was, I believe I was 13, maybe 14. Um, and then, and he was maybe like 10 years older or something anyway, but, um, he was, a like someone who worked within the Pharaoh's army. So he wasn't like a, wasn't, we weren't like royalty or anything like that, but someone who worked within the army, the Egyptian army, something like that. Anyway, and so um, through this process, like I was watching myself grow up and, you know, whatever, um, I ended up becoming, because I couldn't bear children and I didn't have anything else going on, um, I was the person who helped people move through uh, cross worlds. So Mm -hmm. essentially preparing people for death, preparing the families, these are the rituals that you do, and I would perform the rituals. And so like, which is Claire, weird because my name was Claire. Euphemia. So Claire as in clairvoyant, Claire Sentient, or whatever. So I look up Euphemia and the word it's first of all, it took me two weeks to find the spelling and get the spelling right because I was putting it all together as one name at first. Yeah. And then spirit was like split it up and it was like Claire, Euphemia. And finally I got the spelling right. And it is a Coptic Egyptian language name that means well spoken. Oh my God. Right. And I was like, well spoken. Mind you, this is before I ever thought about doing a podcast. But like there, I was like, oh, that's so weird, you know, whatever he and the whole deal was that I spoke into people, I helped them release whatever their, you know, fear or, or you know, I don't know. Um, and then I would channel the, you know, their entities or whatever, kind of like a medium would do. Um, and so anyway, when I died, I was sitting by the pool and I was doing this, they were doing um 
this ritual, there were probably 10 or 15 people around me that were doing this thing with their cross their arms and they're going, Oosa, 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 like kind of like that. And I was like, I, in my head, I'm thinking, I made this up. I saw this on like Indiana Jones or something like that. Like Kalima. <laughs> but they were doing this thing over their chest, like kind of essentially like a heart ritual of some sort. Okay. And then Obed came to me and put a ruby, like a giant ruby on my chest and, and held it there. And he says, find me in the next world. And so like, uh, I just got chills everywhere. So there's just, there's so much I'm, I'm telling you very, very little of the whole regression. Oh my gosh. My connection to Isis as a goddess and Mm -hmm. I would utilize her to channel some of the stuff. It was just so much stuff. And we lived, I've had a couple Isis lives where we were, um, the, we, as in like me and like the other women were like the sacred, like people of the temple or whatever yeah and my mom was one of them and our uh our guide our person that was in charge that was like that helped us be who we were and like you know the head priestess Mm -hmm. whatever yeah she was I was like her successor and she was I was her favorite and my mom in that life well she was like my colleague (laughs) I don't know these are weird words was like jealous of me and she ended up like killing me Mm. which says a lot about our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, I mean, there's a lot of karma is what I'm trying to say yeah. between me yeah. and my mother, but but um now that the the head priestess that died and was like she was so um ascended at the time of her of that lifetime that she basically just laid down and and just left her body. Like there was no pain, no trauma, no nothing. She was just like, "Yep, time to go." Boom. Yeah. And now she's my guide, which yeah. is so cute. <laughs> and I only know this you guys because I have a friend that's a channeler and she was able to give me this information. Um I didn't do a past life regression about that, but it was actually given to me in another way, but that what you just I bet I bet we knew each other. That'd be so you cute. Know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I feel like everybody that comes on my show, I'm like, I kind of feel like I know you already. We're kindred. Um, kind of comes through. I don't know how, but yeah. there, there's always been, there's always been myself, like, um, even as spiritual as I am, I'm still kind of a skeptic at everything. And I kind Me of too. the other side and I'm like, maybe these are just large archetypes or tropes that we kind of channel in because it's something we're familiar with, but, uh, culturally around the world, when we think of, for instance, um, nightmares and stuff like what nightmares are very similar according to the culture and so I was kind of like looking at that but I couldn't I could not so okay here's the deal the jasper ring that I was wearing um in the um in the regression I looked up the meaning for jasper it is a massive infertility crystal healing crystal whoa enough, I couldn't bear children in that lifetime because of the abuse that my, I suffered from my father. So I wouldn't allow, like I was able yeah. to. Have so anyway, so just stuff like that. There were all these little things I could, we could be on here for another hour if I told you everything, but it, to me, I was like, I couldn't have made that stuff up. Like particularly right. with the name, Claire Euphemia, Obed Domnia, that was an actual name as well. Um, it was like Victor or something like that, victorious or whatever. And he was someone who was a sergeant or uh, someone who worked within the army like mm-hmm. this held rank in the army well, I don't know. anyway so 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 when you see people and we do the like you do this past life regression work um most hypnotherapists may work pr- primarily in the subconscious does our past life memories exist in the subconscious or where are you taking them allowing them to tap into a different energy field for them to be able to recall that that is a good question. So with, I don't know. 
<laughs> but what I can tell you is this with clinic with meditation, I'm going to say meditation is, is different than hypnosis in that you are essentially in traditional meditation, you're clearing the mind, you are renewing, restoring and cleansing, right? You are, it's like a alignment deal. Um, and so it's very, it, you don't have to go super deep to do that. It's a, right. it's a, it's a lighter general state with clinical hypnosis. You are taking them deeper than traditional meditation to get into those specific parts in the subconscious that are incongruent with your conscious goals mm-hmm. with past life regression, soul uh, regression in between life hypnosis, future life progression, which I'm certified in all of those. Ooh. Um, BT dubs. <laughs> that is a complete, like it, the induction for that takes the better part of an hour. Um, mm-hmm. I would say for, for a newbie, for somebody who's pretty seasoned in hypnosis, it might not take that long, but it is a deep induction. Yeah. So I don't know where you go. <laughs> Maybe it's the Akashic records. Maybe you're like in the pure soul energy. Maybe it is in the subconscious. I'm not going to, I'm by no stretch of the word or imagination going to pretend that I know where you're going. Um, I don't explain. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Some things you just can't explain, but, but I do know that the information that comes through whether real or not. And here's the, that's always the question. Like, is this really real? First of all, if you believe in reincarnation, you're more apt to believe that this is a real thing because on some level we have those answers. We do. We come with with a certain level of forgetfulness, but we can access them if we really want to. And in that willingness, that allowing, and as long as your guides approve, <laughs> you know, I would say that's important. Your free will or something. Yeah, right. They, they, as long as your guides like know that it, that it's not going to give you too much information. I think that's important to know too. Like if it's okay for you to know this life, then, then you'll, you'll have an experience no matter what you're going to have an experience more often than not. People are farmers who lived a normal life, who just died in a bed when they were old. And, you know, of course things happen. No life is without, without events, but most of the time, like people don't come to me and say they were Marilyn Monroe. Like it just doesn't happen. (laughs) Um, One time a guy said that he, what he described his life and stuff. And he ended up uh, being like Carl Jung. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) He's the only client I've had in almost 10 years that has ever had memories from an actual famous person. But anyway, all this to say, if it's real or not, I see my clients have reactions. I see them physically changing as they're going through this experience, acknowledging their fears, acknowledging these things that have been pulling at them for years and years, finally getting released. If this is the way that this is going to happen, 100%. They never walk out of the the room or, or end the session without a profound sense of understanding of who they are. And Mm -hmm that just says it all to me. Mm. Um, so one thing that I always do too, is in the past life regression with people, I'll ask them like who, when they're encountering a person, I'll say like, do you recognize this person in your life today is look into their eyes. Do you recognize the soul energy? And you'll be able to do that. It's almost like a dream where somebody looks different, but you know who they are, Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like like that kind of feeling. Um, and so that, that analogy, I love that. That makes yeah. sense. We've all felt that way. Like yeah. it makes perfect sense in the dream. But and when you come out, like, what? They didn't look like that. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make sense. Um, but so I'll do that. I'll, I'll create those. I'll get your soul connections from the past life. I'll get, you know, after the life is over, we float back up into the connection to everything, into the universe as our soul energy. And I ask like, who needs to be forgiven? Who do you, uh, who needs to forgive you? Is there anything that needs to be, 
that that any closure that needs to happen, anything that needs to be uh, released at this time, and then they'll tell me. They'll have those meetings. They'll have those lessons. Like, what did you learn in this life? What was the purpose of this life? What is the purpose of your life now? Because they're in that higher wisdom, they're in that higher perspective, and they can see more yeah. than they normally can. Hmm. Um, that's usually the the check boxes that I have in a, in a past life. So of course you're going to see that. I also want to say this. I know that you were saying like maybe I saw it in the mummy movie, right? People will say like maybe I just went to England because I love England. But why do you love England? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe I just thought I was on the Titanic because I saw the movie. Yeah, but why did you like the movie? Why were you drawn to that? Why are you drawn? So I would invite your listeners and your and your watchers of <laughs> the podcast to ask themselves, what am I drawn to geographically? What am I drawn to era wise? What am I drawn to in clothing? What am I drawn to in hobbies? Right. Um, Those are the little like breadcrumbs that your soul leaves to, to reminding you who you, the whole path from where you were to where you are now. I always, I love looking at that um, because I've, you know, you have affinities for things, right? Yes. If you don't know why, for instance, in school, when I was a kid, I would hate, absolutely vehemently hate talking about the civil war. Like just could not stand it. Every time they talked about it, this person did this and Robert E. Lee and whatever. And my, my bones, everything (laughs) was just like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want, I would always do poorly on the test. I hated social studies because we only studied a lot of American history. And for me, that felt like, you know, like I hated Mm. that and I couldn't figure out why. And I did some meditations around, I mean, it seems pretty logical now I'm native American and African. So like not only epigenetically, but other lives that mm-hmm. I may have experienced and or through my ancestors, my bones cringed about like, this is not something yeah. I want to learn. Um, and then even having resistance towards black history because of feeling like um, the, whatever the social programs around the, the epigenetics that happened with that, it's like, this is not the full picture. Yeah. I feel like the full thing. Like, I, like this is what's being spoon fed to us, but this is not actually what actually happened. Um, you know, integrated wise. So, um, I looked at that. I have this crazy affinity for Paris. Um, I love the French accent. You know, like, it's just like (laughs) the language, something about it, like makes sends a chill down my spine when I hear it, there's something comforting about it. And I can't figure out why. So I go to Paris usually about three times a year, especially for work, um, and decided I was going to move there. Universe had other plans, but like, I've always been super, super, super drawn there. And not really having a reason why, even before I liked to travel, I always had things about French. Now, Americans have this obsession with Paris. Who knows why? Like they, like all of our like little home goods and stuff like that have Paris right. forever. And it's like, you've never been like, stop it. So, stop. but there's this, there's, there is like a trendiness to it, but there's, when I go there, it's like, oh yeah, I remember. Like I, I learned that city in a day. I understand like where, where, where to go. Like there's just so much around that. I'm like, I know I've had a past life here. So I haven't done a regression yet where I've gone there. Um, I feel familiar with it. One of the ladies brought me out. Um, she did a Reiki session and she had, um, some, she thinks that you either was Victorian or Parisian in era. Um, and interestingly enough, the dream that I had about, um, my boyfriend before I met him, um, was in some type of like salon area Mm. kind of thing that looked very Parisian too. And I was like, we met here before anyway, just weird kind of like overlappings of those things. So it's been difficult for me to kind of downplay reincarnation and like, and just kind of look and see like, okay, how can I access some of those things, particularly with dreams too? 
So mm-hmm. we'll, we're going to segue to dreams because in dreams, there are structures that I return to often. There are about five places that I can think of off the top of my head that I go to a lot. And one in particular is this insane building that has like the etching, very Parisian looking, um, but it's big. It has this um, stairwell that kind of goes squarish, roundish up all mm-hmm. the way up and um, in like an old Parisian building. But when I go on the floors, the elevator seems to be haunted. And so I have to go up the stairs. And when I go up the stairs on the second floor, I always return to an old elementary school, not an elementary school I've ever, I've ever been to in this life. And it doesn't look like an elementary school that looks Parisian at all. It looks like eighties American, like, and I'm like, this doesn't feel like they go together. Um, but I can enter these places through this particular stairwell. I can go up further on the fourth floor and the fourth floor has, Oh my gosh, (laughs) you are like a whole different creature. I love this so (laughs) much. You have no idea. Like, I know, you know, you're not normal, but like I see clients all day, right? Yeah. If I had a client come to me with this much detail and like clearly transcendent experiences, I would never let them go. (laughs) tell me more (laughs) tell me more I cannot get enough of this so you have like a stairwell portal this is so cool yeah sorry I got a chill when you said that because I hadn't thought about it like that me too Uh I'm getting chills every five seconds with you girl (laughs) well okay so the fourth floor I go into this house um the house always looks different on the outside but at the inside no matter what the house looks like there's always um, some grand stairwell that has two staircases that go down on both sides. And above it, there's a, this room that kind of has like a blue hue with a French provincial type of tuft, uh, couch, velvet couch that sits right in the middle behind that. There is this door that also has a stairway that goes up on the left side and inside of that, nothing's painted. It's not nice. It looks like it's up going up to an attic, but there is a, like a witch or something that lives there. So I have to warn. So we got a ghost in the haunted Yes. Stair- school, school or stairwell? In the elevator. In the elevator. Oh, in the yeah. elevator. And we got a witch. Okay. What else we got? So we got any witch- trolls or ghouls? Not yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> the witch lives in the, in the closet over there. And I have to warn people not to go into the closet. Um, there is then a room that connects on the other side that d- looks shabby. Doesn't look as nice as that room either, but it's a, this weird bedroom that looks like a treehouse. And it's always there. So like just shit like that. It's like these things don't feel like they go together, but these structures are always there. Particularly when I have these um, kind of like sweat, like sweaty dreams that I wake up from that I'm kind of scared mm-hmm. of. There's an intersection I always go to that I'm running from uh, what looks like gangsters. Like I'm, I'm susceptible in some kind of way. And there's a house in that intersection that I can go up the stairs and it's, it's like a, I don't know, almost like a crawl space that you, I turned into an, a, a home of some sort. Like it's got a really small door, like Alice in Wonderland shit, you know, um, a really small door that I go into hide away from these, these gangsters they are wearing bandanas, they're on motorcycles and they've got guns. In um, a few dreams I get killed and a few dreams I don't, I, I'm hiding in this particular structure. The last dream I had about that area, um, I wasn't afraid of them anymore. And I had turned this structure into like a really nice home. And like, that's the last dream I had of it. I don't have much clarity around that. But anyway, so stuff like that. So now going to you as a hypnotherapist, going into these dreams, are you able to tell people, you said you can help teach them how to interpret their dreams? Yes. Hypnosis. How does that conjunction well with dream interpretation? Okay. Whoo, we, let me do my best here. (laughs) I got to stretch this one out. Um, Okay. Good question. So, so with the dreams, 
you're on, it's unconscious, but a lot of our, okay, let me just give you the rundown. A lot of our activity, brain activity, when we go to sleep is sometimes replaying events of the day. Your, your brain, your mind communicates in images and symbols. Right. We all know this, I think. Um, very rarely, um, you know, you're not, you're never going to have a dream where it's just audio of someone talking usually. And that's probably something else. Maybe it's a spiritual thing, but dreams, traditional dreams are images, symbols, some talking, maybe some color, maybe not. Um, and it's you, a lot of times it can just be broken down to like replaying events of the day in the way that it's interpreted it. Mm -hmm. So that's why a lot of times our dreams do not make sense. So there's a process of dreams throughout each night that we go through. And, and again, I'm not, I, I'm not an expert in spiritual dreams. I think you'll know if it's a spiritual dream versus a, like a, like a mind dream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I need a better way to say that. But, um, so what you're describing could be, I mean, it could be either. So let me, let me ask you what it feels like after I explain mm -hmm. the process is like, I always akin it to like, getting the mail, right? We get the mail at the end of the, or this, when we're dreaming, we get the mail and we see what we have. And the first thing you're going to do, what's the first thing you do? You take out the important things, yeah. right? You put them off to the, off to the side, the things you really need to, to open. And then you take the trash, the junk mail, and you throw it in the trash. That This process of throwing the trash in the trash is a venting dream. It's stuff you no longer need that you are releasing. And those happen in the early morning hours, like right, usually wake up to those dreams when the sun is out. So like yeah. between three and 7 a.m., depending on when you wake up. Mm -hmm. um, if you remember your venting dreams, there's still some venting that needs to happen. You're not supposed mm -hmm. to remember them. If you don't remember your venting dreams, chances are you're good. You're not going to- always remember my venting dreams. <laughs> well, then I would do this affirmation before you go to bed. I would say- Anything I need to release, let them come out in my venting dreams. Any remaining gunk or junk that I don't need anymore, that is not for my highest good, let me vent it out in my venting dreams in the early morning and just see what happens. Make that your intention. Anybody listening can do this too, and it's really, really beneficial. I'll even put it in the hypnosis, you know. Um, so that's why, you know, it'll filter through what you don't need. So when you're, when you're right before you go to sleep, you know, that flickering that happens of images. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be stuff that you did see during the day. Sometimes it'll be previous events that are just kind of flicking by. That's what's happening. It's sorting through. Um, I, uh, yeah. So, so there's precognitive dreams, which is basically your mind. And that's the second stage of dreaming, which is your mind trying to plan, <laughs> predict, uh, based on the information it's given. So that's when we have dreams like maybe foretelling the future or maybe, maybe dreams that maybe, maybe nightmares. I mean, it, it really, there's no category of dream. It's just the precognitive stage where your, your brain is trying to map out what's going to happen next events that will happen next based on the information that it's given. Are they true? Rarely, <laughs> but <laughs> brain's designed to do this. So it's going to do this. Um, and uh, shoot, there was something else I was going to say about that. I don't remember. <laughs> See, I lose my train of thought so fast. If, if it's important, it'll come back up. <laughs> right. um, I find that interesting just because like, okay, so when I go to sleep, um, I, I have, you know how you have those moments right before you're really asleep and you, you get, you get those flashes yeah. of like little scenarios or something like that. I happen mm -hmm. to talk. Um, when so, I'm not surprised by anything anymore that you say, <laughs> my, uh, my boyfriend, I'll start to fall asleep on the couch or something and I'll start to talk. 
and say some of those things. Now, because I'm an empath medium, sometimes the things that I say aren't necessarily dream related. Yeah. So right. Yesterday I said charcuterie, which is such a random thing to say anyway. But then on the TV, like two minutes later, it said da, 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 charcuterie. And I was like, oh, that was weird. Like, whatever. I've done that at least six times while he's yeah. saying that. Isn't um, that fun? Yeah. You're definitely accessing like, oh, we all do this. Like it's happened to me. I'm sure people have, are thinking of times in their past that that's happened. We're connecting to something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I know you, when we, when you were on the podcast, I know you've talked about like dream traveling, like that's something you do. I know there's people that do that. They'll go other places when they sleep. I know I do it sometimes. I wish I remembered. And you know, the place where you used to hypnosis to get to that state. So they can do that while you're there. Oh, I'm sure I could. I've never tried it, but I'm pretty good at what I do. Uh, We need to do it. (laughs) We need to try that and record Um, well, okay, so real quick, here's a crash course on how to interpret your dreams. Now, I'm going to try to access all of it because I don't there's 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 a few components to interpreting your dreams. If you wake up from a dream and you're like, "What the actual f was that?" There's a few ways to kind of pinpoint what's kind of going on. Again, the dream the the dream is symbols, images. So, you have to get two categories. You know, if you have to get a pen and paper, write this stuff down. What actually happened? Like what's real and what is a metaphor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're reliving a past event, like you're reliving a day in high school, that actually happened. So you can write that in that category. But if you're in, if you're in a square stairwell that leads to an <laughs> elevator with a ghost in it, yeah. that's probably a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that that's a metaphor. Um, so, okay. So write down what's real and what's the, what's the symbol. What what is the uh, the metaphor? And then you want to look at the emotion in the dream. What was the dominant emotion? Was it panic? Was it fear? Was it bliss? Was it happiness? Was it comfort? Write that down. You want to look at um, the time, the time of night that it was. If it was in the first stage of dreaming, the second stage, or or the venting dream. Huge signifier in what the brain is trying to tell you. And then you want to go back to the time period. So let's say you went back to the high school dream. Um, Sometimes, depending on the time period, will be usually your mind something's happening in your life now that your mind is anchoring back to. Mm -hmm. So there's a theme, right? Like if it's happening, like if you're in high school and you're with your old boyfriend, maybe take a look at what could possibly be happening in your life right now that could be related to that time period. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So those are a few different categories or a few different components that will allow you to really get to the heart of what the message of the dream is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, if it's a venting dream, just be like, yep, washing my hands of it. <laughs> That's what we all want to do. <laughs> I wake up from, oh my gosh, I have to tell you this dream that I had the other day. Okay. So, by the way, miss, yes. that scary story you told us on my podcast, <laughs> I have not been able to sleep for like a week. Sorry. I am Wait, so easily scared. Them. Like, sorry. No, I don't want to relive it again. Story. Um, like you guys have probably heard it on the podcast before. The story <laughs> I was telling her is about when I was going to bed and this, the spirit who came to visit me and stood over my bed, basically. <sighs> so, sorry. <laughs> but you wanted, you were excited. I was like, it's one of those things where you're like, do I want to go on this roller coaster? <laughs> yeah, let's go on the roller coaster. And then you like pee your pants. <laughs> my bad I'm like it was so it was so scary I showed my husband I showed my my one of my colleagues who's a hypnotherapist too I was like look listen to this story you have to listen to this story <laughs> oh scary anyway 
this dream I had the other day and was a venting dream. So that's fine. I, I recognize that I'm able to let it go. It's not going to haunt me like your story does, <laughs> but I had a dream that I was with my, my husband and my kids. We have a three, obviously a three row. I have three boys. Um, so the two littles, the four-year-old and the two-year-old were in the second row and my eight-year-old was in the third row. And, uh, we were driving obviously in the car and we went over this low bridge. We went under this low bridge and I knew it was going to, I knew our roof was going to hit it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, we're going to hit this bridge. We're going to hit this bridge. And the whole roof of the car came off. <laughs> like, and I look at my husband, he's looking at me and I was like, Oh my gosh, it like brushed the top of my head. Oh my gosh. I looked at my husband and I look back of course at my kids and the two car seats were empty. And my eight year old was just like, he was there. He was just looking at us like, oh my God. And I was, you have no idea. If you're a parent, you understand the amount of panic, even in the dream state yeah. that went through my body. And I was like, stop the car. Cause we were on the freeway. We couldn't pull over. We yeah. pulled over or we couldn't turn around. So we pulled over. I ran out and I knew, you know, that feeling of like, I have to run so far just to see if my kids are alive. Mm. Wow. Are you kidding me? I was just, and in that moment, like I've, only twice in my life has I, have I been able to do this. I was like, nope. And I just opened my eyes. <laughs> I, was ah. like, I was like, I'm over it. I'm opening, I'm getting out of this dream right now. Yeah. And immediately I, I think I was just like, I just, my, my, I just took over and I was like, I can't, I, I so much cannot handle this dream that I'm going to come into my body and open my eyes because I cannot, I just couldn't, I could not. Yeah. Oh, anyway, that's the, probably one of the most terrifying dreams I've ever had, but it was very easy for me to wake up from that dream and be like, okay, that was a venting dream. What did I feel in that dream? Panic, fear, wondering if my kids are safe. Mm -hmm. I can let that all go. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a confirmation that I can feel safe. Yeah. And there's a reason I had that dream as a venting dream. Do you know what I mean? So if yeah. you're having a panicky, fearful dream as a venting dream, please know it is safe for you to vent that out. And that is, that's, that's, I think that's a comforting thing to bring to, uh, bring to attention because a lot of times people have those kind of dreams, which yeah. then they, they use that as a way to anchor more fear. Totally. Uh, I had this dream about this and this thing might happen. Like I've had a couple of dreams where, uh, where my, my brother has passed away and, um, always of a suicide. And it's like, Oh, wow. That's like really, really scary to Ooh. think you're going to get that call or something like that. And it hangs in the subconscious. Um, the trouble for me is always that like I've had dreams that come true. Right. And so then I can't delineate whether or not that's, it, it's going to be something that comes or doesn't come. And so, and that freaks me out. So yeah. I have that kind of like, I mean, most of you guys probably don't have to do that. <laughs> well, and that can be a challenge for sure. I had a dream once that Dale Earnhardt Jr. got hurt on a racetrack and I don't watch NASCAR. And then the next day he, well, I had a dream he died, but the next day he got in a crash and he really injured himself. And I was and junior, not, I yeah. know that the dad is dead, right? Isn't he? Yeah. Um, and then I was like, Oh my God, I'm a psychic. <laughs> but I know that we all have had those moments, but, but, and, and it can definitely be challenging. Like, well, this came true. So what if, what right. if, what if, um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, would I rather lose myself in the fear or would I rather feel better? And, and, mo and, and please take comfort in the fact that most of the time, the venting dreams are just that. 
Mm-hmm. That's it. They're just venting dreams. If it's, if it's a, do you have a certain time of night that you dream these by any chance that you could anchor onto? Well, it was this time of night. So it might come true more than this time of night. I don't know. Cause I always wake up in at three in the morning always. And it's like, even no matter what I do, if I take melatonin, <laughs> if I do like, I just, the witching matter. hour, you know? Yeah. And so I, I can change time zones and go to a whole nother. I remember one time I was on a plane and I woke up and I looked at my phone and said 3 a.m. And I was like, how is this possible? It's not actually 3 a.m. where I'm at, but like my phone still said 3 a.m. Do you always know what time you go to sleep? Do you always look at the clock um, before you I go, go to, to bed like usually around 1130. Do you always look at the clock before you go to sleep? Usually. Usually people do, or yeah. at least have I mean, a general I'm idea. I'm looking at my phone because I have to set my alarm or something. So yeah. it could be a, 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 a tie to your psychic stuff. Um, I know that you, you are very, very powerful intuitive, but it could also be, you've trained your subconscious to wake up at three. So no matter where you are, let's, let's hypnotize that out because your your body knows your body has a clock. And so if it knows that you go to sleep at 1130 on the East coast or the West coast, it knows to count that many Like I'm telling you, our subconscious are very, very powerful. They can do some shit. It's been (laughs) happening probably since I was about 15. Yeah. So, which I I attribute to some of my hormonal issues because I haven't been getting, I don't get good sleep all the way through the night. Yeah. Interestingly enough. So you asked me if it happens at the beginning or not. So I will remember dreams around 3am when I wake up. Um, but because I'm like, damn it, it's three in the morning. I want to go back to sleep again, pay attention to it. Um, I always remember pretty much every day, my morning dreams, like when I wake up in the morning and I'm having a lot of dreams. So I have three or four dreams and kind of remember most of them. Um, the only times I don't really remember them is if I've woken up two or three times in the morning, Mm -hmm. like, and went back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So again, for you, I would, I would definitely put the intention before you go to sleep or even when you wake up at 3am and just be like, anything that I need to, to vent out. Yeah. Go, I'm going to go back to sleep. It is safe for me to sleep until I'm comfortable and awake. Um, and I've, and I've slept enough. Please vent out anything that I don't need. Please vent out anything that's not needed or wanted or for my highest good in my early morning venting dreams. And so it is. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a reason why people like some people don't remember their dreams? Is it the timing that they wake up or the amount of REM that they're getting? Or I mean, it can be so many things that it's hard to nail down one. I know a lot of people on um, sleeping medications, um, biologically, you're not dreaming as much as you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be something. I know a lot of people on sleep medications, even if they, you know, don't, uh, even if they do dream, but they don't remember their dreams, the sleep medications can, can hinder that a lot, the memory of the dreams. Um, it can be HC does that as well. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it could be your, it could be your sleep patterns. You know, if you're, if you're constantly waking up and going to sleep, you might not be dreaming as much. The body needs to dream. The mind needs to dream. It needs to, mm-hmm. that is the biological necessity. Um, just as much as it needs to sleep. And when I was studying, my professor was like, if you get drunk before you go to sleep, it, your, your dreams are like your cleanup crew, right? Mm-hmm. So if you get drunk before you go to sleep, you're getting your cleanup crew drunk. Mm-hmm. Imagine coming into a messy place with a drunk cleanup crew. Yeah. Are you really going to clean much up? No. And so I, I, I relate that as well to, to any kind of substance that you're putting in your body that's probably not conducive to that cleanup process, yeah. um, including sleep medications, including THC, things like that. But yeah, it could be the sleep pattern. It could be um, just the fact that you're so deep in your sleep that you have sleep amnesia, also a thing. Um, hypnotic amnesia, also a thing. So 
I'm a light sleeper. So generally um, I will remember my dreams because I'm, I'm like, it's they're right at the surface right basically. Yeah. Um, but we all have, we sleep like this, right? We go through REM and then we come back out. Sorry, I'm doing like a wave motion for wave people motion. that can't see. Um, so you go down into the deep, deep sleep. You come up, you have a sleep rhythm. You come down, you come up. So depending on how that rhythm is disrupted can, can affect how you remember your dreams. Um, but there are people that just don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with them as long as they're not going crazy. It, a way to tell if you aren't dreaming is if you are not, if you're going crazy, yeah. <laughs> you, you definitely need dreams. So if you feel off, if you feel not yourself, if you feel like, you know, off, mm-hmm. unaligned, disal- in that disalignment, you know, check out what not you could be doing. That's yeah. Tough to help think about what you could be doing to help that sleep process. It's so important. So crucial. Dude, you are just a wealth of information. Um, <laughs> like we've gone over time and I'm like, let's just keep doing I it. I just never want to stop talking to you. That's <laughs> all. Um, we're going to take the rest of this to Patreon, but before we go, um, is there anything you'd like to leave as a lasting thought for our listeners about, um, about hypnotherapy, about dreams, maybe personal wisdom? What would you like to leave them? Here's the main thing I want to leave people with. You do not, you were never forced to live with the programming that you've been given that possibly you might say had been dumped on you by someone else or like you don't have to just deal with the way things are now. It's always been a choice and all you have to do is decide because your mind is so freaking powerful and it's like waiting to help you. Hmm. It's just waiting to help you. So that's all. Yeah. That's all I want to say. You're very powerful and you get to decide how you want to live. You just do. Slow clap. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, drop. <laughs> awesome. Well, Lindsay, can you tell people where to find you? So uh, you can find me on my website, lindsayrobinson.com. It's a weird spelling. So check the link in the bio, probably. Yeah. Um, Instagram, same name. Facebook, same name, Lindsay Robinson. And I look forward to connecting with all of you. Oh, and my podcast, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> I, Hi, it is on anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, it's me and my co-host, Kelsey Aida, who I think you've had on the show or you're going to have on the show. Going to, yeah. Going to have on the show. She's a delight. And uh, yeah, we just talk about all fun, cool, empowerment things. Lovely. lovely. <laughs> um, this is so exciting because this is something I want to get into. Um, spoiler alert, I've been, I've been trying to decide whether or not I'm going to go into hypnotherapy and dream interpretation because I think that would be a wonderful addition and expansion to whatever I'm doing already with my energy coaching. So you guys, if you like this episode, please share it with someone that you love. Don't forget to rate it as five stars and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Uh, we appreciate you listening. We hope you have an awesome day. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.